isn't funny, Amber. Would you like to play a game, Tara? so far. Do you have a gun? I'm Sydney Prescott. Of course I have a gun. Something about this one just feels different. Samantha? I'm... I know who you are. I've been through this. A lot. This is your life now, which means that whoever this is is going to keep coming for you. You ready? This? Never. No, there are certain rules to surviving. The attacks were all on people related to the original killers. Whatever his link is to our past, it's pulled us all back here. And I won't sleep until he's in the ground. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. I'm Mike, and joining me as always, it's Venom. How are you doing, Venom? Greetings and salutations, high schoolers. Ah, I'm doing pretty good. How the hell are you, Mike? High schoolers, man. What a long, <laughs> a long ago time that is for me now. <laughs> I wonder what the cumulative SAT scores in Woodsboro is, because I can't imagine it's very high. Uh, of course not half the population gets whacked off every year (laughs) awesome the same killers doing the same thing every time (laughs) but uh, um yeah so that other voice you heard was our other regular host it's don what's up don how are you um i'm gonna do a uh, venom impersonation and say what's up woodsboro survivors i figured that would have been his intro but i might as well take it myself so what's going on everyone yeah so um if you are not up to speed uh which i would highly question uh big old movie released this past friday part of one of the bigger franchises of the last what 20 years i would say you know regardless of how much each of us individually like the franchise or its individual movies or not i would consider it a big you know slasher franchise um the scream franchise uh so they released the fifth entry for some reason i mean i know it's a trend to call these new ones just by the original title i have no idea why in this case they did it because it's definitely a fifth entry and it plays like a fifth entry but it is indeed just called scream so i guess i can say scream 2022 in case anyone needs clarification but i'm pretty sure this this is no surprise to anybody that we were covering it not only did we announce it many times but i mean how the hell could we not cover one of the 
you know, bigger releases to come out. In this January. is called Fresh Cuts, people. You should be pretty familiar with our selected <laughs> process by now. Yeah. So, let's see. Synopsis. I mean, it's a screen movie. You should probably have a good idea, but 25 years after the original series of murders in Woodsboro, a new ghost face emerges, and Sidney Prescott must return to uncover the truth. I mean... Already incorrect. <laughs> That's yeah. not why Sydney comes back, but we'll get into that later. Sydney Prescott <laughs> must return to I don't know, uh, stand around for a while. I, I to, Look good, um, <laughs> Yeah, let's uh, get right into this one. Uh, we always, you know, anyone. I, I would imagine that covering a big movie like this, once it gets out there and tagged as a review we might get some new listeners out of this one especially now that i'm putting them on youtube so in case we do have brand new listeners the usual routine is we start with our general thoughts we try to stay as spoiler free as possible and we will definitely audibly mention that um, we're done with our general thoughts and getting into spoilers at the time i might go ahead and timestamp this one just because it's a bigger movie um and like i said there could be more uh brand new listeners listening to it than usual so um i'll try to remind myself to do that so uh that said let's get into general thoughts venom i will kick it to you scream 2022 or scream 5 or just scream whatever you want to call it what did you think all right well um before i get into scream 5 i i do want to give a little bit of history on my association with this franchise um i was talking to don before we started recording but uh, as a lot of you know, I am an older gentleman. I'm not exactly a 90s kid, never was. In fact, when the original Scream came out, I was already almost 30 years old. I was already married, and teen slashers... I mean, I know Scream kind of started the trend, or at least popularized it. And I did see Scream, the original Scream in theaters, and liked it a lot. I thought it was a great film. I thought it was a good return for Wes Craven. Um, I don't think it saved horror. I don't know what the hell people are talking about when they say Scream saved horror. Uh, if anybody says that in my presence, please expect a swift kick to the throat. Because uh, in 96, the horror community was less than five years removed from a horror film winning the top five Oscars. Oscars, my friend. Something that horror movies don't win. And in 1992, Silence of the Lambs won the top five Oscars. So someone explained to me how horror needed saving. I, I just don't understand the statement from 90s kids that Scream saved horror. So aside from that, let's let's step away from that before I get too pissy. Um, Scream. I mean, it's just never been my franchise and I, I enjoy the films. I, I don't think I've ever hated any of them. I think uh, Scream 3 is probably the closest one to one that I hate. I will say that I always get enjoyment out of these films, though for me, you know, since the first one, they're not really, you know, reinventing the wheel by any stretch. They're just kind of sticking to their formula, their little meta formula and, you know, the whole deconstructing of the horror genre, which, of course, continues in Scream 5. But we'll get into that. So to Scream 5, um, to me, this is just a solid Scream movie like um, I don't think it's necessarily exceptional. I don't think it's necessarily garbage. It's uh, it's just a solid Scream movie. If you like the Scream franchise, I would say that there's no reason whatsoever that you wouldn't love this one. If you're into Scream, especially, you know, the first two, this one, I think, is going to speak to you. It's going to be nostalgic. 
um, you know, lots of fan service, you know, with our three main characters returning. So, you know, I, I would highly recommend this film to anyone who enjoys Scream. Now, for me personally, it's it's just kind of there. It's about as average as average can be. I, I kind of got sick of the Scream formula um, after the second film. Like, I liked the first two, as I said. And after that, it just kind of became formulaic to me. It just turned into this whodunit slasher that always has um, someone with a terrible reason to be trying to kill uh, the kids of Woodsboro, whatever the case may be, and and adults in many cases. Um, but, I mean, there's nothing major for me to complain about with the film. Uh, the acting is solid. Obviously, it looks beautiful. It's going to be a high-budget, you know, film. Um the score is fine, though, you know, kind of, again, kind of formulaic with a lot of like teen pop uh, songs in there, or at least that kind of style. Um, you know, editing is fine. Cinematography is fine. Um, uh, the, actually, the kills were actually a little bit more more impressive in this one than in previous chapters. It felt um, and I didn't rewatch all four Scream movies last week. I only rewatched one and four and. From what I remember, this one feels like the the, the most brutal chapter uh, of the franchise, which is a plus. So I'll give it that, you know, more more blood, not as much as like us gorehounds really want to see, of course. But, you know, for a Scream franchise, you know, we're getting a decent amount. Um, but ultimately, when it comes to the reasoning of the killers and, you know, what they're doing, I, it just feels so silly and formulaic to me that it it just... It, it, it's entertaining in the sense that I'm watching an above average film, but I don't care about anyone in the movie. I literally could care fucking less about anyone in this movie. It just it, it doesn't speak to me in any way. It doesn't make me um, a fan of any of these characters. And, and I know I'm going to be making some enemies. And <laughs> Mike just mentioned that we might be having we might have some new listeners on the show. And I'm probably no, already it's not going to be any worse than the enemies I'll make when I make say mine. But exactly. So um, just realize, folks, that I am an older horror fan. I am over 50. Um, I've been watching this stuff since I was nine years old, uh, and Scream is just a good teen slasher franchise to me. I've never been excited about a teen slasher, not Urban Legend, not I Know What You Did Last Summer, any of the big ones or any of the indie ones, just, you know, it's just not my subgenre. But if it's your subgenre, awesome. I'm I'm almost jealous. Like th this is a franchise that I listened to. I, I watched and listened to people talk on social media for over a year about this film, um, since you know since since it was announced. And you know, uh, just the, the love that I see for this film is is very valid. It's fine. Like I said, I don't I may not agree with it, but if you have a connection with this franchise, then rock on. Like I said, I'm jealous because anytime I go to the theater to watch a horror movie, I want to like it. I want to love it. But sometimes there are plot points or characters or just little things in the film that work against it that make me not love it. But I, I guess the long and the short of my general thoughts is it's about it's an average movie to me. Like, you know, we don't give ratings here, but if I was going to give one, it would be an incredibly average rating. You know, um, nothing about it is exceptional. Nothing about it, you know, makes me love it any more than the first one. I, I would say the first one is still solidly my favorite of the franchise. I think. Most people agree, though I have seen on social media some people saying that the new one is now their favorite. 
I don't see it, but you know, again, everyone's opinion is valid. And if you love this franchise, there's absolutely no reason for you not to love this movie. For me personally, it's just not my kind of thing. And, you know, I, I didn't regret my time with it. I mean, these screen movies are all like two hours. I, 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 I had forgotten about that, that almost all of them, you know, come in at like an hour 50, an hour 55. So sometimes maybe they're a little long winded, if not slightly slower paced. Um, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say boring because at no point during this film, at least, was I ever bored. Um, I was laughing out loud during many scenes, scenes that weren't intended to be funny, just from, you know, again, anybody who's listened to me with any kind of regularity knows how pissed off I get with terrible decision making in movies. Unfortunately, because the Scream franchise is based around high school students, I kind of have to cut them a little slack. Because ultimately, we don't know shit in high school. You know, when we're 18 years old, we think we know everything and we're ready to take on the world. But guess what, folks? Now at 50, I know that I was a complete dumbass at 18. And um, and honestly, none of the kids in this town are any different. Uh, ultimately, you know, some of them speak a little bit more intelligently. Like one of our main characters, Tara, actually gave like a 30 second review of the Duke in the film that I totally agreed with. I'm like, all right, go girl. I already like this character. She didn't really do a whole lot to endear me to her the rest of the film. But, you know, at least she mentioned the Duke, So that was pretty cool. Uh, so, yeah, for me, average as average can be. Uh, I, I can't give it a strong recommend unless you're into the franchise or you're into teen slashers in general. Otherwise, you know, it, it, it's it's there. And that's about as good as I can come in with this one. All right, Don, how good can you come in with this one? <laughs> um, less than Venoms, I'll say that. <laughs> So, um, much like him, I'll, I'll also do a, a brief how did we get here um, thing with the franchise. Uh, I also am not a fan of the, the original. Um, I have issues both internal and external with it. Um, I actually like two more, even though I'm well aware that it's not as well made. I, as a enjoyment factor, I like two more than one. Three, I don't really know too well. I, I've seen it the least of the four or including this one, the least of the five. So I, I don't know too much about it. Strangely, I always seem to like it more when I keep rewatching it, even though I don't do it often. So that's um, always one that I'm always kind of trying to figure out why I feel that way. But um, it's just one I never really get the time to rewatch, so I watch it less. Four, I, I actually do really like four. Um, the Four has a lot that I... Um, I, I kind of like the characters the most in four, and I think that's probably the reason why I, that one works for me. Um, I, it's not really much of anything new, but uh, yeah, um, I, I, I kind of do really like four. I think it's um, it's a lot more fun than I than I really gave it credit for because I didn't like it when it first came out, but I've grown to it on rewatches. As for this one, I don't know how many rewatches I'm going to give this because this did not impress me all that much. Um, I mean, like the biggest thing I can say that I like about it is the two or three stalking scenes that we get in here, because that's actually one of the big issues with that I have for this. I felt the length in this one considerably. The pacing to this is incredibly off. Um, I have no idea why we decided to follow these two completely in, uninteresting and utterly dreadful storylines. I don't give two flying fucks about anyone in this town. 
I mean, any of the people here are just completely uninteresting, and I just do not care. The friend group, or whatever little we get to see of them, they're just completely douchebag teenagers. I, I, I couldn't even tell you their names, to be honest. <laughs> I, I, I don't even remember them. There's the jock, there's the goth, there's the lesbian, there's... Yeah, the, it's the horror hierarchy, you know? Yeah. I don't know their names, but I know their characters. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's the jock, there's the goth, there's the lesbian, there's the horny girl that hang, latches onto them for some reason. Uh, yeah, um, I, I don't really care. And then the legacy characters, if we're going to use the film's terminology, which we'll explain more in spoilers, I don't think they actually did anything. Um, they were there as set dressing, and I think you could have just swapped out mannequins for each of the characters until the final 20 minutes, and I wouldn't have noticed, because they contributed nothing. Um, and then uh, my biggest issue with this is the final 20 minutes. Uh, I, I'm going to need to, we're going to need to go into spoilers why, but there's a myriad of issues I have with that part of the film. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would, I, we're going to need to go full spoilers for that, but the final 20 minutes to this is a total mess. So much, so much wrong with it, but I mean, at least a couple of the stalking scenes are okay, so I didn't completely hate it, but yeah, this just completely underwhelmed me. Um, I, uh, this is easily the weakest of the franchise, and I I was joking with Venom about this. Um, between this and Halloween Kills, I'm losing so much interest. I'm losing complete interest in watching Leatherface, and I could completely care less about a new Friday the 13th or an Elm Street movie if we're just going to get re- rehashes like these two. Because I think they're completely winging, wearing me out on the franchise. Like, I have zero interest in them if they're going to be anything like these last two. So mm-hmm. good job on that for making me not care about two of my favorite franchises. Cause I actually really like the, t- the TCM series. I think they're pretty underrated mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah. I, I'm like Venom. I'm a Jason guy. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, killing off my interest to watch m- further entries in my two favorite franchises. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm just going to leave it here, but um, yeah, I'm going to need to go into more when we get into spoilers. Well, for me, it would be hard to kill off my interest in those franchises because it's already dead. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, when it comes to the actual franchises originally, I'm a huge fan, but I never cared for most of the remakes anyway. Um, but uh, you know, <sighs> okay, as far as this one goes, uh, I'm kind of of two opinions, which I think Venom somewhat alluded to. It's like if if you're a Scream franchise fan. I wouldn't even say super fan, but if you're just a fan mm-hmm. of the franchise, this one probably checks all the boxes you would want in a Scream movie, which is fine, I guess. I mean, it, it, it does what Scream does for the most part. You get, you know, you get your whodunit, you get your legacy characters, you get your um, monologues with <laughs> your meta nonsense. Um, <laughs> I will say, though, one of the problems I had with this with the meta stuff and i won't get into exactly what it is well i'll save that for spoilers i as far as like the detail of what they monologue about um is is a some somewhat of an issue i had with the new matrix sequel um 
I feel like the ideas that were presented in the first entries in both franchises, like the first, as in the first Matrix and the first Scream, the meta stuff they did in those, I felt they were interesting and forward thinking and kind of set up, you know, they felt ahead of the curve, the ideas they were presenting. Whereas the ideas presented now, to me, they feel outdated. What they're talking about is things people were having conversations about a decade ago. It, I don't need to be lectured by teenagers of 2022 on things that have been hashed out. Nobody says something like ruin my childhood anymore. That's something people said a decade ago. We're soundly made fun of for it. And it's been a dead issue to me. If if you want to go meta in 2022, I, I think a far more interesting subject is just, you know, uh, how nothing means anything anymore because of the saturation online. I mean, toxic, toxic uh, fandom or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's another old subject. Like that's something. If if screen, if this movie would have come out five, six, seven, eight years ago, fine. You know, give us your big monologue about it then. But in 2022, it's not interesting. It's not forward thinking. It feels behind the curve. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel like there were better things to talk about. And the, the same thing with the elevated horror stuff. Like these are articles that came out about that a long time ago. People have already argued over it many, many times. What what is 15, 16 year old is having these conversations in 2022? They're not. I mean, mm-hmm. if 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 our this sounds something more like that the legacy characters should have been talking like if they want a monologue about something and be meta because it it's more it makes more sense why like older people like you know our age what well, even not even have to be as old as us but maybe you know people in their upper 20s 30s that's some that's conversations they've having. teenagers are, are not going to be talking uh, these teenagers probably weren't even like either they were just like little kids or not, not even born when the articles on elevated horror were coming out so what are they even talking about well if they're teenagers now they would have been already born they would have been like they would have been yeah, like around kids. nine or, they would have been like nine or ten when they when these first films came out right i no, i'm not saying like el- the whole elevator horror wasn't in existence i'm just saying like I, the way they're mon- like this feels like more um the rants of like uh the writer than it would actually be of teenagers like mm-hmm. it doesn't feel realistic that 15, 16 year olds would be having these specific monologues. And I'm not, and I understand it's a screen movie. There's going to be some type of meta subject material going on. I don't have a problem with that. I expect it. It's a screen movie, but give me something more realistic. Like in the first scream, the fact that they were talking about like slasher movie stuff, well, that makes sense because teenagers are watching slasher movies that, that feels like, you know, we came that was coming off that decade. I feel like these, these, it just feels outdated, but um, what else? <laughs> that aside, I mean, I kind of got aggressive on that specific topic, but overall, I mean, it's a screen movie. If, if you like the screen movies, I get, you're going to like this one. Like I, I, no one's going to be able to tell you any otherwise, right. That it's a screen movie. Out of the franchise, I would probably at this point just rank it above three. Um, the reason the mo- most of my hope for this one came off of liking what they did with four. It felt like with part four, um, they actually did try to do something new with the franchise. Yes, it was still like a whodunit, and there was like kind of like a, a quote unquote meta reason behind why the killer wanted, but it 
it actually kind of felt like they branched out and did something different than the first three. And it also felt like in four that the um, the legacy characters were almost like a bonus feature of the movie on top of what was going on with our main characters. In this one, it felt like you just kept waiting and waiting for them to show up because it totally was about, oh, they're going to come help. And they what what they really do to help i i don't know they just like i said they didn't even I, feel like they belonged in the movie they felt like, like they were bored showing up like mm-hmm. i said you could have just put mannequins in place of the characters for the first hour of the film and i wouldn't have noticed i mean they literally did nothing yeah yeah i thought uh, they didn't want to be there <laughs> like the characters were like why <laughs> are you back in woodsboro this is stupid I was okay with Dewey for some reason. Uh, I like uh, his character arc, you know, as the movie begins, he's kind of broken down. He's no longer a police officer, blah, blah, blah. Um, I like that character arc. As far as the two women, I 100% agree with Don and Mike. They were literally just decoration. They added nothing to the film other than just being legacy characters. Obviously when you bring back legacy characters, it adds a little bit more fodder, um, you know, for the fans to enjoy. And and that's cool. Again, if if you love uh, Nev Campbell and Courtney Cox that much and you were excited about seeing them in this movie, rock on. Uh, you know, that's valid. But yeah, after seeing the film, I, they literally brought real nothing much to the table. I mean, obviously, you know, obviously they're Sydney and Gale. They're always, they're almost always going to have some kind of connection with the killers, um, you know, in, in Woodsboro, you know, whether it's a, you know, indirect one or a direct one. But this one was like the flimsiest excuse to bring them back, in my opinion. It just didn't make sense, especially when Sydney early in the film flat out said, I'm never going back to Woodsboro. And then what, 20 minutes later <laughs> in the film, she's in Woodsboro. So it's like, eh, that shows a lack of conviction. Obviously, there was a reason that she came back, a very valid reason, which we'll get into in spoilers. But it still just felt like too convenient. Like, oh, well, while I'm here, I might as well solve the latest, you know, Ghostface yeah. history. Well, yeah. yeah, at this point, I'm like, just stop <laughs> leaving Woodsboro. If it like, because every few years there's going to be like, you know, according to this lore, lore. Mm-hmm. There's going to be someone dressed up as Ghostface killing people every few years. So stop leaving Woodsboro if you're always going to come back yeah. anyway. And I, I do agree, though, with you. Um, out of the three, uh, because of Dewey's situation kind of going on, he, he makes the most sense why he would be there. Because technically he's kind of still there just on the outskirts. He's like the one of the three that kind of never... I don't want to say he didn't amount to anything, but he didn't go on to bigger and better things post, you know, all the events of the movies. Yeah, so it, he's the only it, one where it seems reasonable that he's still there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They, they kind of take a little bit of a Stephen King's it uh, kind of angle to that. Cause you, you remember how, when all the kids left dairy, they all became mm-hmm. successful except for Mike who stayed in dairy and basically is poor as an adult. It's almost the exact same fucking formula. <laughs> yeah i i actually did think about it like at certain mm-hmm. parts of the movie just the way um and also because another plot device they use which they i, I feel they did nothing with it it was pointless to even be having this happen but just to, to mention it now would be just too spoilery mm-hmm. um i you know i i felt like when they first started showing it, i was like okay what how where are they going with this what are they going to do and it just amounts to nothing because it changes absolutely zero it's of inconsequence to everything in the movie it's just kind of there just to 
mm-hmm. be happening. I, I think just fan service to say, oh, look who we got as a to flash on the screen a few times. But uh, as far as kills, yeah, I agree. So there are some good kills. I think some of the kills are more brutal than I was expecting, mm-hmm. which is cool. <laughs> Always a fan of that. I do think there's some good fake out stalking scenes that they, they set you up a couple times to expect something that they, you know, put a nice little twist on. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, let's see what else. Um, I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's, it just feels like your typical scream franchise entry. I guess. I, I would probably only rate this ahead of three. If I had to off the top of my head, otherwise it's on the lower half. But like I said, it's it's something that Scream franchise fans will probably like. So mm-hmm. it it like I say, yeah, it checks the box for all the stuff people that love Scream probably want in a movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, I did rewatch the original and part four this week. And the original is still a great movie, but the original is great because it was original, not to, not to, no pun intended, but it, it was an original concept. It was an original idea. Um, it was even a different kind of movie than we would expect from Wes Craven. So like it, it broke a lot of molds, but it just feels like every subsequent sequel to me is just a rehash of the original in some way, shape or form. Yeah. They change the killers. Yeah. They might change little aspects here and there. Oh, Dewey's the sheriff now instead of just a deputy or, you know, or like in this movie, you know, Gail's not even in Woodsboro anymore. She has a big show nationwide, blah, 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 morning show. So it's like, I just, I don't know. Ultimately, Dewey is the only one who felt organic to me, who felt like an actual human character. As Don said, uh, Don's comment about they could have put mannequins in for the two legacy women is 100% valid. I just and and I know we've got Scream fans literally screaming at me right now and at us as they're listening to this. But ultimately, folks, you know, I, I'm doing as much as I possibly can not to shit on this movie or this franchise. Um, cause I don't think it's bad. I don't, I don't think it's a bad franchise. It just doesn't work for me. That's all. It's a personal yeah. thing. Um, you know, just like I'm not the biggest fan of rape revenge movies, you know, these teen slashers just don't do a lot for me, but I will still mm-hmm. give them their kudos when they deserve it. And there are a few things that scream five did well, which we'll go over in spoilers. Cause I think almost all of them are going to involve spoilers, uh, yeah. some kind of plot point, but yeah. Um, you know, don't don't take anything that we're saying as straight hate. Maybe Don, but definitely not from me and Mike. Um, you know, if Scream Six comes out, I will still watch it. It's not like I it's not like I was ever excited to see a Scream sequel ever. But you know, it is a big franchise, and if big franchises can continue to survive, to me that's a positive. Even, you know, yeah, some of the later chapters may not be as great as the early ones, but. You know, to, to see a franchise survive, through, especially through the pandemic and the fact that people are scared to go to the movies. Obviously, Spider-Man kind of brought everybody out of their house. And now this movie, uh, it did 55 million this weekend. That's huge for a horror movie during a pandemic. So, you know, I'll, I'll, like as I've said, and I will say more, I will give the movie its credit where it deserves. It is still an important franchise. And and I appreciate that, even though I'm not the biggest fan of it. So hopefully yeah. I got some people back on my side there. 
<laughs> yeah, and, and a final yeah. note on the on the meta thing, as far as the non spoiler is, I think one of my like what I was trying to say earlier is one of my issues is in the first scream and even the second one, I would say, because I think both of those did the meta stuff well and with a purpose. In the first one, a lot of the reason um, for kind of like the meta references and stuff is because they were using knowledge of living in a world where, you know, the 80s slashers existed to try to kind of navigate um, not dying. And and, and in screen two, they kind of use, okay, well, what happens in all the sequels of these? Um, And then even like a movie like The Faculty um, in the 90s, they did it well as well, too, as far as like all the body snatcher movies. Like, okay, well, how did people survive in those? In this one, it just feels like a lot more ranting for the sake of ranting and monologuing for the sake of monologuing. Like, okay, great. You're talking about, you know, you bring up your elevator horn Babadoo thing. What does that have to do with anything in this? Like, it, I don't care about your opinions. <laughs> like, I, it's not like, okay, you're cool because you brought up elevated horn. I don't care. It's not progressing the story it's not used for anything in the movie except well we got to do meta stuff so here we go um now i do think there was some stuff that was kind of satirizing or doing commentary on on just the fact that this is like i guess they call it a requel which i don't understand because no to me it's just a sequel like i don't I don't even understand the need for the hybrid name. I mean, unless it's because and you're none just of the calling examples, the screen, but Exactly. And, and the, the examples that she gave in the movie aren't requels either. So, I mean, you know, they tried to explain it as a combination reboot sequel, but it's like Halloween 2018 is not a requel. It is absolutely a sequel to the original film. Scream 5 is absolutely a sequel to the last Scream movie. So... Yeah. You know, that, that that whole thing that, you know, I brought it up earlier, the whole deconstruction of the horror genre. It was cool for the first two movies. After that, it just it just feels played out. And, and I'm wondering, like, you know, in Scream 6, what are they going to deconstruct then? Because it seems like they pick a different avenue of horror to deconstruct in every movie. Maybe Scream 6 will be a found footage movie and they'll deconstruct found footage movies. I You know, who knows? But. The point is, is that I am solidly kind of sick of their, you know, people call it the meta thing. I just call it the deconstruction of horror. It's unnecessary. Um, You know, I mean, think about how mad people were at Cabin in the Woods when that came out, um, you know, because of their commentary on the horror genre. And but but with Scream, it's okay. Everybody loves it. So, eh. well, plus in this one, they it's like they it's like they want to make it a point that like we have knowledge of this stuff and then they go make the same stupid decisions anyway. Like, yeah, so I'm like well, why did I just get this 20 minute rant about, you know, how we're so much smarter than the last generation because of all this stuff. And, Oh, but mm-hmm. we're just going to do the same <laughs> dumb things. Um, Look, thank, you. I can get- thank you guys for finally understanding one of my points with the original. Everyone who says that that film is a smart film is buying into the advertising, not the film itself. The advertising for that film sold it on the the teenagers in the in the in the town knowing horror films and using that to survive a killer. That is not what happens in that movie. Nope. They talk that about is, the different things that you need to do to survive, and then they go and do the opposite. Exactly. <laughs> so everyone yeah. who says that that film that that film is smarter than it is is a complete idiot. They're buying into the advertising, not the film itself. <laughs> I won't right, go that far. And now but... the angry viewers or ah! angry listeners. 
<laughs> I mean, ultimately, you know, like I said, if if Scream, because I I know personally horror podcasters that say Scream is the greatest horror movie ever made. Obviously, it wouldn't even sniff my top like twenty five all time horror, but that's just me. Again, if you're a nineties kid, not kids, just all time slasher, but all time just horror movie. Oh yes, yes, all their favorite horror movie of all time. And and like I said, if you're of that generation, that's fine. Scream obviously introduced many people to the horror genre, which is why I still say it's a very important movie. You know, a, a lot of kids that never watched horror or maybe looked at it as as a silly little franchise that went to see Scream and had their eyes opened at, you know, with what a good director and writer can do. You know, if 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 those kind of people look back at Scream as at the original Scream as their favorite movie of all time, hey, rock on! You know, that's that's great. But um, I'm I'm with Don, man. Watching the original Scream this past week, I'm just I'm perplexed at the stupidity of some of the characters and the lack of self preservation. Like some some of the people literally walked right up to Ghostface and like challenged him to to, to kill him. Which I don't know. That seems odd to me, but whatever. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a weird one. I, I, and like I said earlier, and I'm going to say it again, since the Scream franchise is based around high school students, I cut them a little slack because they're not bright. Ultimately, no matter how smart of a high school student you are, you're still a dumbass compared to someone 20, 30 years older than you. I was, I was my school salutatorian, uh, in high school and I still look back at my 18-year-old self and I'm like, my God, I was a moron. You know? Yeah, I may have known about the War of 1812, but God forbid I had to register a car or something, you know? Like, basically, you get out of high school with no real life skills, which is, that's a conversation for a whole other podcast, I understand. But I'm just saying, that's why I'll I'll forgive some of the stupid decision-making. But the fact that some of these people are horror experts, you know, like, uh, what was his name? Randy in the original, uh, Jamie Kennedy's character. Mm -hmm. Yet he still does exactly, you know, what he said not to do and, you know, doesn't turn around, sits there staring at a television as a killer is approaching him from behind. It just it, it bothers me that, you know, that somebody so intelligent could be taken out so easy. And, you know, we, we get kind of a revisit of that in this movie, though. Well, I'll leave it at that. We get a little bit of a revisit of that situation in this movie. We'll talk about it in the spoiler section. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Just to wrap it up, because I never I never really gave my background on the franchise, because I. Yeah. Sometimes you forget because you've, you've said it before on other shows. But uh, so when Scream came out in 96, I was actually 16. So I kind of consider myself like the. Uh, I didn't I wasn't um I didn't come up in the era of Scream necessarily because by the time Scream came out I had already been watching, you know, slasher movies. I was catching up on all the stuff from the 80s. I was too young for a lot of the originals. I kind of refer to myself as the sequel generation because I was too young for the like when the originals first dropped, I was, you know, 0 to like 6 years old. But on the back half of the 80s and, you know, front half of the 90s is when I started doing my hardcore, like, VHS store, rent as many horror movies <laughs> as you can. So when Scream came out in 96, yeah, I was 16, like, right in the middle of high school. I was pretty much that perfect demographic for it. And I, and I did like it. I mean, I, I thought it was a very <laughs> solid slasher movie. Um, 
but I like, but I never looked at it as like mind blowing, like oh my god, like slashers have arrived again. Like I was kind of happy that financially, like it was a success because I was like, mm-hmm. okay, yes, this can this might kickstart us getting slashers again, and it did. However, the type of slashers that came in its wake, I, I was not a fan of. So while I was, I was glad at the prospect of like, oh, horror is making lots of money again. I wasn't very much a fan of the kind of Kevin Williamson style. And I think a big problem was because, you know, the early screen movies still had Wes Craven as a part of them. So it was kind of like those two working together was kind of like a balance. You had the Kevin Williamson. Okay. I'm just going to, you know, make these teen drama slasher movies, but because Wes Craven was still part of the screen movies, you got the horror, the good horror side injected the problem with all the other franchises it was like kevin williamson without the you know the horror icon um kind of over his shoulder like making sure it's an actual good horror movie and then they just almost tuned up like the every single trope you would find on your teen evening drama show plus a killer in it you know i was not a fan of those at all but as far as scream itself yeah when it came out i i I liked it I, i had a fun time with it and the franchise overall um just not my favorite and it didn't like change it's not like it came out and i was like the hell with everything i've seen before this is the movie that I ch-. no now you know i could see the younger people coming in behind me mm-hmm. maybe it's different for them because scream was exposing them to something they hadn't um known about or seen a lot before but i was even at 16 i i had seen enough by then that screen was just like the next slasher movie it wasn't like the slasher movie for me so that's my basic background on it um but yeah that's probably good for or at least for me for general thoughts yeah there's not much more i can talk about without getting into spoilers so uh, listeners, I would say this is your spoiler warning. If you have not seen Scream 2022, go ahead and pause the show now. Go do your homework and come back and uh, partake in our conversation <laughs> about the spoilers. But yeah, final spoiler warning. Let's get into it. All right. I The first thing that I did kind of like about this movie is that they kind of subverted our expectations with the opening scene. What always happens in the opening scene of a Scream film? Somebody dies. At the, mm-hmm. uh, at the beginning of this film, we get the same thing. You know, we get Ghostface with his spectacular voice um, calling uh, our latest uh, opening scene girl named Tara. Tara Carpenter, by the way. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and this is where they kind of get into that conversation with Elevated Horror. And she talks about the Baba Duke. Because obviously, you know, uh, the killer on the phone tends to use the exact same. Uh, it's almost like they have a script. Oh, what's your favorite scary movie? Literally, it's like it's like it's from a piece of paper that they're reading off of sometimes. Um, so and and the thing is, too, is like, how do these people know from case to case exactly what Ghostface said on the phone? Like, that's a weird one that they're that they're able to keep consistent with the things that all the different ghost faces have said over the years. Yet, where would they get that information? It's not like the cops are giving out transcripts of murder victims, phone records, you know, so I don't know. Uh, it's maybe, a weird they, maybe they watch Stabbed a bunch of times. <laughs> yeah, they watch Stab one through seven. Yeah. <laughs> it could have been just yeah, part of the lore. I mean, that could have been just Gail sure. repeating it from her stories. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, she, yeah. 
I mean, even she though Gail never got a phone call, so I mean, she would be she would be relaying no, the story, I guess, from Sid. No, yeah. but remember, she interviewed Sid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She, interviewed, she would have interviewed Sid for the first book, so that it would have been knowledge based on that. And I think that could have just been something that was incorporated into the stab films, like Mike said, and then just carried on as part of the vernacular or community mm-hmm. or whatever thing you want to use. I think that's probably where it came from. Yeah, I, I was I was yeah. surprised that she did survive because she got yeah messed up pretty bad. Oh, she got tore up. Yeah, she got stabbed. What, like, like yeah, even times? Yeah. even though we technically didn't get like that kill shot final mm-hmm. before like the we cut to the next scene. I figured she was stabbed enough times that you know the next scene was going to be reporting that oh a teenager mm-hmm. was murdered in Woodsboro again. But yeah, on the news report, when they actually said that, you know, she survived the attack, I'm like, oh, that's awesome. It's just different. Like I said, I like to see different things. And even though that's a minor thing to let the first victim actually survive and make her part of the main story, I, you know, I I still dug it for whatever it's worth. So, yeah, so we get our opening scene, you know, our basic scream opening scene. She's attacked, though this time she survives. Uh, It turns out that she has an older sister who finds out about the attack and come and she's not currently this older sister named Sam is uh, Sam Carpenter. God damn it. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, I wonder if Sam Raimi and John Carpenter are just pissed off as hell at at all this, or if they love it. I'm wondering, I don't know. Anyway, um, uh, the older sister is no longer living in Woodsboro. She comes back to town just, you know, to help her sister. Um, dad is out of the picture and mom is in London uh, on business. Did anybody did anybody else think even for a second that those were Sydney's daughters for like a minute? I thought because <laughs> I, I even look a little bit like her. They both they both have long, straight black hair. Granted, they're both uh, their skin tone is a little darker, but. We don't know who Sydney married, so you know. For a brief second, I thought that I thought they were stepsisters, and that the youngest one was Sid's daughter. Ah, but um, yeah, I, 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 that was kind of like a. Uh, I I kind of just dismissed that theory pretty quickly. Yeah, because I mean, for you know, for one instance, the younger one's Latina-ish, and then the other one's Caucasian-ish. So yeah, <laughs> so yeah, my. Uh. My original theory was that one of them was a step was a stepdaughter, but then I I, I figured I was just overthinking things. Well, technically you were right, since uh, we get the first big reveal that we get in the film is that Sam Carpenter's real father is dum 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 Billy Loomis. Yes, uh, Skeet Ulrich's character from the original Scream is her biological father. This is why for th- that might have been the spot where I'm like, oh shit, Sid got pregnant that night, but it's like, wait a minute. Yeah, but are then they, that are they be, retconning? Yeah, exactly. It's like we've never seen thing. her pregnant. <laughs> yeah, that was another thing. I was like, wait, why wasn't she pregnant in two? And then exactly. it's like, oh crap, I'm overthinking this again. Yeah, yeah, we probably shouldn't overthink slashers. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> for for a second there, I th- I was like, are they setting up like the uh uh the stepdad to be the killer, like coming back and get pissed because. <laughs> the family got ruined from her reading the diary and exposing <laughs> everything. Cause like that, they went into like that long detailed story, you know, of like why the older sister left. I know I'm yep. skipping a little bit, but yeah, when fine. she's just explaining like, Oh, I read the diary. And then I'm like, okay, the mom had an affair with teenage Billy Loom. Like, 
Yeah. I'm like, because if you're doing the math, it's like, well, how old was your mom? And so she was lusting after a teenager, I guess. And well, it was 25 years ago, when... ultimately. I mean, I don't think Sam was even 25. She might have been right around. She 25. looked around. She looked close enough that she looked like maybe early 20s. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. she's a few years older than the than the daughter, than the one that got attacked. And they say she's high school. So I figure a couple of years would have put her 22, 23, like right around that same time, time point. Yeah, yeah. That's that's about what I was thinking. Yeah, this is the, which is why I started to think that, oh, shit, it's Sydney's, you know, illegitimate daughter or something crazy <laughs> like that. But yeah. yeah, no, no, no relation to Sydney at all. They are just um, like I said. Oh, and the younger sister is not a daughter of Billy Loomis. So this is the, um, basically uh, yeah. when the sister, when the older sister kind of confesses to the younger sister that she knows why their dad left. It was because the same day that the older sister found out Billy Loomis was her father was also the same day that her, you know, supposed father also found out. Well, he it, wasn't react- same, it wasn't the same day. It was the same time. Cause she said that he found her over the shoulder reading the same thing. Well, no, it was, um, no, she they, said that when she was in the kitchen talking to her mother and confronting her mother with it, her father was standing behind her and she didn't realize it. I think that was like oh, the exact line. Oh, okay. I, I, I yeah. thought it was because uh, maybe I tuned down to write a note or something, but oh, yeah, yeah I, I thought it was, she was reading the diary and he was standing over her shoulder. Oh, no, no. Okay. Yeah, she was confronting mom at the exact time oh, oh, and dad okay. was standing I, there. So, okay, well, uh, so anyway, so dad obviously reacted very poorly to that news, to finding out that um, that uh, Sam is not his biological daughter. And apparently he left. He left in a huff um, because of this. Then Sam uh, kind of started to become a problem child. She started getting into drugs, alcohol, getting into trouble at school. Eventually, she ends up leaving Woodsboro altogether without confessing this information to her younger sister. So Tara is, you know, basically all she knows is that my sister left five years ago and I haven't seen her since and I don't know what's going on. And obviously, once the sister is attacked, um, that's when uh, older sister Sam confesses about the Billy Loomis thing. Now, one of the cool things I like that they did with this is that we do actually get to see Skeet Ulrich in this movie. Yes, uh, we actually get to see him as a hallucination that Sam has, which again starts to kind of lead the viewer down the path of, oh, shit, is Sam now the killer or is she going to be the next killer maybe in Scream 6, something like that? Um, but it's just she actually handles it really well. Like she doesn't at least when we see it. Uh, she's probably been dealing with it for a few years at that point. But yeah, when we first see him in the mirror, the fact that she doesn't freak out and she just talks to him like they're having a conversation. They're flat out just having a conversation. I kind of like that because for whatever it's worth, it just shows that even if you're an absolute psychotic killer, you can still kind of be a good dad. Because uh, his hallucination was actually giving her some decent advice throughout the film. Um, we, we do end up seeing Skeet in multiple scenes. Uh, it's always like in the reflection of a mirror that uh, Sam is looking into. But he legitimately gives her you know, some decent advice. Obviously, it's not really the spirit of Billy Loomis. It's just her imagining. Well, yeah, it. it's like it has <laughs> to be through her psyche. like Exactly. Like with her telling her. And she's probably just trying <laughs> to make Billy seem like he's not a complete monster and because it's her father. So she's trying to find the positive in the fact that my father is a serial killer or was a serial killer, you know? So, well, it, yeah. There is- uh, and she must, she must like mostly know him from, um, 
like oh, yeah, crime scene footage because yeah. the way he looks, it's like, like he's she's basically envisioning him strictly off what at the end of Scream, how he looks at that time. Yeah, he literally has the umbrella wound in his shoulder. He's got the bullet wound. I mean, the only thing he didn't have was the bullet wound right in the middle of his forehead, you know, that Sydney gives him. But all the other injuries he actually displayed correctly. So I thought that was kind of cool. Well, there is, before mm -hmm. we move on, there is one thing that I do want to bring up about this. And mm -hmm. where in the timeline would Billy have been able to impregnate this other girl? Well, hey, sex only takes like 30 seconds for some people. Yeah, but where <laughs> did, okay, but if the, t the timeline is that he was, he's with Sid, the in, he's with Sid. Right. So when would he have had the time to pull this off and get the other chick pregnant? Like, Oh, I guarantee that he was fucking around. You got to realize that when a guy who has sexual experience dates a virgin girl, that's always going to be a tension in their relationship because he's already had a taste of sex. And obviously when we're as men or boys, I should say, you know, when we get that first taste of sex, you know, at whatever age it is, 17, 18, 19, um, we want it more and more. And the fact that he's dating a legitimately attractive girl in 1996, Nev Campbell, it, it, I could see him fucking around behind her back. I guarantee he's not, he wasn't like a faithful boyfriend on top of the fact that we don't get an exact timeline either. So, I mean, um, the, 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 uh, the person that Billy impregnated, you know, it could have been, you know, um, slightly before nev campbell um not likely though because they were together for a couple of years right in well, the that's, original that's stream. why i'm that's why i'm trying to like pinpoint when the impregnation would have occurred because i i don't really know when in the timeline that would have occurred because oh i i just guarantee he cheated on sydney i'm just saying that now he cheated I on mean, sydney. yeah and i figured he, that yeah, yeah he really didn't want to settle for a pg-13 relationship <laughs> there you go <laughs> what i'm saying is that i i knew it had to have been either slightly before the events of the original occurred yeah. because he would have had to have set up his alibi to make sure that he doesn't get caught oh yeah definitely so i figure him, I mean. but he's been but he's the been thing practicing. is that but i'm saying is that even the, still that would have been him and Stu figuring out the details of their plan yeah. So I, I I don't know. I mean, he got I mean, he's obviously dead at the end of the original. So that kind of kills him off. Yep. So I, I'm still kind of confused as to when in the timeline, because that would have made it even earlier. That puts the that puts the impregnation even earlier and makes makes the makes Sam that much older because she would have had to have been impregnated before. I, I don't know that that whole thing just seems kind of weird as to when in the timeline he Billy would have had the time to impregnate this other girl. Well, like he, I said, time, time is irrelevant. Yeah, the, uh, I mean, when he, it comes he, to he was probably taking some sex, house calls to bang. Yeah, but I mean, even it's, still, that that. But I'm saying, even still, that puts the impregnation even earlier. So that would have made her would have made Sam even older. Yeah, Honestly, I mean, Billy I, I, think, died. I think Don. I think Don's point. Well, if I can do the middle ground here, is mm -hmm. it's not so much. The having the sex with the mom itself it's the timeline it's like okay well how old was billy when it was happening because or it's almost like how old how what's the timeline that would make sam the proper age for right. her to have been pregnant before he died in 1996 if we're following like the actual mm -hmm. right. years of 96 versus what 2022 i guess yep because i don't I'm not even with the math in my head. I don't even know exactly what, how old that's assuming. Cause I would say if we go any further back than 96, you'd be no. way young and she would be 
Even that would honestly, that's honestly, what, uh, Billy should have gotten somebody pregnant the day before he died. For all we know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. I mean, or he could have died and not knowing that the girl he banged was pregnant. Don't forget, women can oh, sometimes go four, twelve, four, eight, twelve weeks without actually knowing that they're pregnant. You know, just because they miss their period doesn't mean it's a guarantee that they're pregnant. So, so, you know. so assuming uh, if we're if we're following like real life timeline, just uh, mm-hmm. if that mom was impregnated in 96 somewhere along the same during the same events that were happening in the scream then sam would be 26 in 2022 25 she would have been born depending when her birthday is yeah right so 25 turning 26 um so maybe she was that old I mean, it seemed like she was like just out of that's high what I school. Mean. But... I, I put her at early to mid twenties, so that that's why it would have made. That's sense. what I'm saying is that I mean, trying to figure out the 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 point in which he would have impregnated her, I, I, doing that within the time the the timeline of the original, I I just don't know when that would have happened. Because yeah. the thing is, is that if you go even if you do it even further, then that just makes her even older. Because yeah, the, yeah. the nine month the nine month gestation would start when it occurs, so that would have just bumped her out even old. Yeah, yeah, so, it, it definitely happened during the events of the first one. Because on top of the fact that if the mom, the person that Billy banged, if she knew that she was pregnant and she knew that Billy was the father, I'm pretty sure she would have made a big deal about it. Like she's not just gonna you know be quiet about it and have this baby and not tell people that Billy is the father. So that's why I'm thinking that when Billy died, no one knew that Sam was around yet. No one knew that mom was pregnant yet. I'm I'm saying that Billy probably had sex with her maybe a couple of weeks before his death. And then a few weeks after his death is when mom finds out, oh, shit, I'm pregnant and and daddy's a psycho. So, you know. I, but ultimately, I think we're thinking way too much about this. <laughs> we're, we're trying to interject logic into this movie, which I'm usually guilty of. But uh, yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for stealing your thunder. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So where do we go from here? So obviously we've got the big revelation. One of the things that really bothers me about these movies is the fluctuating height of Ghostface. Oh, thank you, God. thank you, thank you, thank you. That's where I'm going on with the original when I yeah at the finale when I'm talking about one of my major issues. And thank it's you. the same. It's the same issue with four because exactly. in four it was Rory, uh, Emma Roberts, and Rory Culkin. Both of them are short. So how the hell were they taller than all of their victims in Scream Four? And then in this movie, same thing. I mean, you know, like I said, it's a formula, so it's not really anything that's going to be too shocking to find out that there's two killers in this movie as well. And once again, one of them is drastically taller than the other. So who did the short one kill? <laughs> you know what I mean? And like the, 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 the weird thing here kind of boggle my mind. Well, all I have to do is just look at the hospital attack. Oh, that hospital attack makes zero sense. When we get to that, I'm going to rail all over that scene. Oh, fucking bring it on. (laughs) Oh, bring it on because, yeah, I'm going to be, I feel like we're going to be lockstep just based on how you said that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, It's a problematic scene in general. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I think we can get right to it because, like I said, you know, once we get all these revelations, Tara's still in the hospital. um, And then, uh, Basically, we get a situation where Tara is left at the hospital by herself. Uh, The sheriff of the town, who is also the mom of one of the characters in the movie named Wes. Once again, another homage. (laughs) By the way, I don't know if this got anybody else, but again, they had me for like a second. 
there's a character in this movie named Wes. Um, he, he's not the most major character, but he is one of the circle of friends. He's one of the close friends and he is the son of the sheriff of the current sheriff too. So, you know, he's kind of a big character. So at the end of the movie, after it was all over and the credits rolled and it said for Wes for half a second, I thought they were dedicating the movie to this character. It literally took me like half a second for my brain to click in and go, Oh yeah, Wes Craven shit. <laughs> like I, I'm uh, like, why I, would they dedicate this movie to a stupid character? <laughs> and I, I I caught on what they were doing because that's the celebration in the in the middle of the movie. So yeah, exactly. I mean, look at all the names in this movie. We've got multiple carpenters. We got a Sam. We got a Wes. Uh, we got a Liv. Uh, yeah, we've got a lot of uh, you know horror kind of names in here. So. Um, but anyway, at this point, like I said, um, Tara's in the hospital by herself because the police officer that was assigned to protect her was called to the sheriff's house. Basically, they called every cop in town to the sheriff's house to start investigating the murder. By the way, the broad daylight murder on a suburban street that no one saw or heard. I'm not going to say it's an impossibility. I'm sure it's happened in real life. But holy shit. Uh, this is like a nice upscale neighborhood and here's a woman getting stabbed to death on her front lawn and no one, like no one comes out of their house. No one does anything. It's so, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me, but again, suspension of disbelief, I'll allow it. Um, so anyway, like I said, Tara's at the hospital by herself. Uh, suddenly the power goes out and suddenly uh, because they moved her to a private floor as stated earlier in the movie, She's basically alone up there. There's there's one police officer and then there's a hospital security guard up there, too. Um, she ends up jumping into the wheelchair, coming out of her room, realizing that there's nobody on the floor. It's just completely empty. Then he goes over to the guards station and sees the hospital security guard dead with a slit throat on the floor. So obviously, you know, we know something big is coming up. Um, do we uh, basically... Uh, Sam realizes that the cop that's supposed to be at the hospital is now at the sheriff's house because she's at the sheriff's house as well. And she realizes that no one's watching her sister. They rush back to the hospital. And then this is where we get a big scene with Ghostface uh, attacking our characters. Um, we see Ghostface actually stab um, Sam's boyfriend, played by Jack Quaid. Um, you guys would know him from um amazon primes the boys uh also a couple other movies he was in that are kind of slipping my mind right now i know him specifically from the boys he plays huey uh which is a great character for him and um i actually have a story about uh, me guessing the killer of this movie before i even walked into the theater but we'll talk about later uh, that later after we're done um so anyway uh ghostface shows up and at the same time dewey sam and uh, Richie, Richie is the boyfriend, Jack Quaid's character. They also show up at the exact same time. And there's Ghostface standing there having just killed the security guard. Dewey shoots this fucker three times. And there is never any mention of it for the rest of the fucking movie. Does Ghostface have a bulletproof vest? Because these were not misses. These were straight on three shots to the chest. One of them I thought hit the head, but I might be wrong there. I I, um, I counted three. I counted three hits too, and yeah, yeah, they're visible. Like the body visibly reacts to it. These are not misses for sure. Yeah, I mean you could see the holes in the costume as the scene progresses. 
Um, anyway, the point is, is that Dewey, Dewey for once, uh, a horror movie character does a smart thing, but then kind of fucks it up. Dewey, as they're leaving, uh, they're literally Dewey, uh, Tara, Sam, and Jack are literally all walking out into the elevator to leave the hospital. And Dewey actually yeah. says, well, wait a minute, we can't leave him there. Uh, we got to go back. Uh, I got to. This whole sequence is very ridiculous. Yeah. The what Dewey does here is what you would expect one of these teenage characters to do, not a legacy character that's been through this four times mm-hmm. before. And back to when you were saying that the person got shot three times. Um. It it. I I don't know what people know. Uh, like I'm no expert in this or anything either. Mm-hmm. So you know I don't want to come off like hey I I'm a scholar here, but. If even if you're wearing a bulletproof vest, I don't know if people have ever watched videos of people getting shot with those oh, on. Yeah. Yes, they will stop the bullets from killing you, but they still penetrate the vest, knock the wind out of you. You yeah. will have a reaction. Bruises. And even yeah. if you get up, even if you get up like, you know, five, ten minutes later, you're not springing up to like exactly. act like that. You are still <laughs> severe, incapacitated and hurt. And it's like, I just like, I wish they would have thought that out better. Like, okay, make it so maybe you get missed entirely or maybe someone else goes at you. Like, it just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It just, that whole sequence just bothered me because I'm yeah. like, if anything, like, I don't mind Dewey going back to like somewhat check, I guess. But if, if, if Dewey's going to do that, of all people, his guns are going to be, he's going to shoot to kill right away. Also, when when he initially shoots the killer or Ghostface at the time, and Ghostface falls back into the trophy case, and mm-hmm. I, right then and there, I'm taking the mask off because oh, yeah. if anything, if anything, you're gonna like even if you didn't kill the killer and they managed to survive and escape, at least you're gonna know who it is and alert the, alert the authorities. It just especially the, for characters entering the franchise, for legacy they, characters, yeah, like, they should not yeah. be acting that dumb. Mm-hmm. Well, more to the point, Dewey has a clear shot when he returns. He's reloaded the gun. He's got a clear shot. He stand, He points the gun from the side all the way until he's standing directly in front, and it's only then that the killer springs to life and stabs him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and he's, he's at least former law enforcement, so he should have some exactly. type of idea of, like, you don't put yourself in danger. Like... Yes, he's kind of a horrible cop. I'll give it. I'll give it that. He's always he, like he's always kind of been like the bumbling, you know. All, but he still went through training. Like he knows better to than to like if if you don't want to get in, if you have a gun, the last thing you want to do is be in close combat, you know, situation. You're not going to get up that close. It's just it's it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, I understand it's a trope in slasher movies. But yeah, but then we're. We're also overlooking the one other major thing, which is the revelation of the spoiler at the end about who the killer is <laughs> just renders this whole thing just absolutely moronic and ridiculous Yeah, because you realize who the other you realize who the killers are. I'm not going to reveal them yet, but you realize who the killers are and you realize what's gone on in before the scene has occurred to realize that that's the individual in the costume at that time. No. I, I, I'm sorry. No. Yeah. Yeah. On top yeah. of the fact that in, in this particular instance, one of the killers is actually here unmasked with our group. And this is supposedly the shorter killer in the costume. Yet she yet Ghostface is taller than Dewey by a lot. 
and you know again the inconsistency with the height of in these well, movies that's my that was my whole thing was that knowing what we know at the end knowing what's happened before because mm-hmm. as you said one of the killers is uh, has one of the killers has already left the room one of the four that we one of the four that got on the elevator is the other killer besides whoever's in the mask at this particular time mm-hmm. knowing what we know th- yeah no I, I'm just flat out saying I'm flat out saying no. Yeah. Uh, another reason that I'm flat out saying no is because of how Dewey got killed. We haven't talked about that. Mike mentioned that he got stabbed. What we didn't mention is that Ghostface stabs him in the front, like at the, like around the belly button, and then he also stabs him at the same time with a different knife in the back, like at the base of the spine. So Dewey has knives in both sides of him. Then the killer lifts fucking Dewey off the ground so that Dewey is is basically split open on both sides. You're telling me that the person who turns out to be in that costume can lift Dewey off the fucking ground? After being Uh, shot? After being being shot shot three times! Oh, yeah, see, folks, this is these are the issues that I have with these movies. They're fun. I'll never deny that these are fun movies if you're a fan. But Jesus Christ, are, are, are a lot of you Scream fans just forgiving the absolute ridiculous um, notions in this movie and the things that the killer, on top of the fact, I haven't even mentioned one of the biggest reasons I fucking hate Ghostface in general. Ghostface is the sloppiest, clumsiest killer I've, in, in literally in cinema history. He in every single movie he takes, you know, a, a punch to the face, a refrigerator door to the head, a kick to the balls. In this yeah. movie, they get shot. It's like the Ghostface is the most inefficient killer in movie history. I counted well, see, less than well, six people that Ghostface attacked in this movie that survived the entirety of the movie. Find yeah, me and- a movie. Jason or Michael Myers let six people survive that they attacked. Nah, doesn't happen. And, and, so, the, th- yeah. and the thing is, it's like I can, <laughs> I can buy that even a goofy Ghostface killer in the original, um, which you know I, I or excuse me, I, I I can buy everyone else being equally ridiculous in you know them trying to fight off Ghostface in the original because one in that movie our our legacy characters are also just teenagers. Uh, Dewey's like a young cop, like you know, barely yeah. in, into being. Dewey, a, a Dewey and Gale are probably early twenties. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, just uh, yeah, but yeah, the other ones, Sydney, and then all her friends at the time, yeah. teenagers. So it makes sense why even a goofy teenage killer, why they would still not put up a hundred percent resistance. But by now, as adults, like Dewey, there's just there's just no excuse. Yeah. For like for a sequence like that, and nope. it it just seems like very easy to not write the scene that way, like or <laughs> make it someone other than Dewey, like you know, and that, that you get out of it easy because I could see a teenager making that mistake, but there. Well, it's just well here's the thing. Well, here's here's uh-huh. the th- well, here's the thing, and this is the reason why I actually do like that it is Dewey that does this, is that later on they make the statement that in order for the legacy to carry on, you have to give the legacy characters, you, you have to do something with them, and this is the one instance where we actually do get something definitive with the legacy characters because we've knocked off one of them. Mm-hmm. So now that we've 
like we've like supposedly what happens in all of the films, there's something at stake because now we've finally been able to knock one of them off. They haven't, you know, limped to the finale and, you know, I mean, we'll get there when we get there, but <laughs> to actually knock one of them off and have the courage to put, you know, to take one of them out. I actually do agree that th- we needed to do that because if he survives this shit and we have Dewey, Gale and Sid in six, no, I am not. <laughs> if well, here, three, here's if the three other. Of the, if the here. three of them survive five encounters, no. If three of them, if these same three people survive five separate encounters with these killers, no. That's not yeah. luck. That's screenwriting magic. No. <laughs> that's okay. the <laughs> plot. Here's the other thing. Like, why are they so adverse to just? If there's going to be two killers, like every time. Why are they so adverse to just actually letting them kill one of them before the end of the movie? Because I think that would have been an interesting difference is they kill one of them. Let's say um, we'll call for now before we get into like who they actually are later. We'll say main killer and and sidekick killer. Okay. Let's say they would have let Dewey kill the sidekick killer in that scene. Mm -hmm. They take the mask off. Everyone's like, holy shit. Like what the fuck? And it, you know, no one can figure out. Well, we can still get the explanation at the end by the main killer. And it's like, do something different with it because the fact that the sidekick killer makes it like I when we get the reveal, uh, like not the main killer, but when we get the reveal of the sidekick, it just felt like the, the most boring, uninspired, like, oh, oh yep. I brainwashed another one to be my side. Like, gee, again, like it, that's the only motivation is like, oh, I took an interest and in, I got brainwashed by the actual killer. Like, come on. On. Like, yeah. did you really well, just well, survive to the end just for that? Well, here's another thing too, and this is a this is a fun thing that Mike you just brought up. If you kill off the sidekick, now that kind of lets everybody loosen their guard and be like, oh mm-hmm. my god, we actually, you know, oh my god, you know, maybe this is it. Like, we've finally been able to stop this. And then the second half picks up, and then it's like, oh crap, we were wrong. There's another one. Mm-hmm. Now and actually, now and now the main killer has a bigger reason to kill these people too, not the stupid reason that we get at the end of the movie. Exactly. So, uh, so that I, might, that uh, so as I'm saying, I I I like way the I like why they went after Dewey because you have to have mm-hmm. give, you have to give them some you have to give them some urgency and intensity to their appearance because unfortunately you don't get anything else. Yeah, I, it has to be. Stakes, well, well, here's the thing. Yeah, but we've completely for, we've completely skipped over why Dewey's even in the film to to begin with because we completely missed over those 20 minutes of the film because we just showed up to him at the hospital and completely forgot why he's even tagging along, which is well, we mentioned. Oh, right, right. Why he yeah. joins? Why he's, I mean, we we did mention in the non-spoiler section that you know he's kind yeah. of a broken down ex sheriff who never right, left but town. We never, blah, blah, blah. But we never we forgot the 20 minutes where he's shepherding Sam around town trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, that's kind of dull stuff. What I'm saying is understandable because nothing happens. But like I said, putting stakes in the film by knocking off one of the legacy characters, I like why they did that. Yes. I'll agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. One of the legacies had to die. Yeah, just it was a guarantee. And and honestly, I would not have been satisfied with the film if they didn't. So, yeah, yeah, I I agree, guys. Like, I, I just to like make it just to clarify, I don't have a problem with Dewey dying. In fact, I'm actually kind of not not that broken up about it to begin with that the fact that Dewey died it's just the way it went down was kind of goofy to me 
Yeah, like I said, just incredibly unrealistic considering who is who's behind the ghost face mask at that moment. It just doesn't make any sense. But let's go ahead and keep going. Um, obviously, folks, we're kind of skipping around. I'm not going to go over every single set piece and scream. If you've seen the movie, you know everyone who lives and dies. So I'm not going to go over into every single scene. But uh, we do get the inevitable big party. That seems to be uh, another common theme in every scream movie. Uh, almost every, to my knowledge, every scream movie has some kind of big party scene where people get together and Ghostface kind of goes on his little rant. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, killing spree, blah, blah, blah. So, again, we get the party here. It's being hosted by Amber, who is um, uh, Tara's best friend. Um, the goth one, right? Um, no, no, Amber. The lesbian. No, no, not the lesbian. Uh, the lesbian, I believe, was... The one that was dating the jock? Yes, the, the one who horny... was dating the black dude, yeah. The that's horny Liv. girlfriend? The horny right. girlfriend was dating the the black dude. Yeah, that's right. right. But I'm saying who? Which one was Amber? I'm trying. Amber I, was the best friend. Amber was Tara's best friend. Because remember when Tara was being spoken to the video that she was watching? It was Ghostface recording Amber in her bedroom, and he was that saying that was her. That was Amber. Yeah, he even says the name. They even say it's Amber. I completely yeah. forgot who the target was because yeah. we never see. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, that's Amber. Um, oh, damn. So anyway. Um, we're at the party. It's at Amber's house. And about a few minutes into the party, we get the revelation because I didn't notice. Maybe hardcore Scream fans would have noticed, but I didn't notice that the party and Am Amber's house is Stu Mocker's house. It's it's the house where the original uh, Scream ended. It's the exact same house. Obviously, it looks different. It's decorated differently, blah, blah, blah. I personally didn't notice it right away until they mentioned it. But, you know, maybe some really hardcore Scream fans were like, oh, my God, Amber lives at Stu's house. I don't know. If you picked it out, cool. That makes you a super fan. But, yeah, I definitely didn't catch that. Um, so, like I said, party at Stu's house. Um, a bunch of people are there. Amber, Sam, and Richie have no plans on actually going to the party because at this point, they're actually leaving town. They've made the decision to leave Woodsboro altogether. Uh, they take Tara out of the hospital um, without permission, but they pull her out of there. They uh, basically they get, you know, just a quick bag. Um, the hospital that nobody's at. Uh, well, I mean, like I said, they put her on a private floor uh, because she was so worried about getting attacked. But then that doesn't make sense because you're more likely to get attacked on a private floor than yeah. on a totally occupied. Which, one. But which again, whatever. on that point, <laughs> uh, piggybacking off that point, this is the the party scene was the mm -hmm. first point in the movie that I had a pretty good idea who the killer was because, and we don't have to get into who did it if we don't want to yet, but the fact that someone initiates the party clearing out, because I'm like, wait a minute, if you're in this situation, wouldn't you want as many people around? Because I don't think they like, I don't think the killer is going to show up nightmare on elm street 2 style like when freddie jumps out of the pool and starts just murdering the whole entire party so to <laughs> yeah. me you're more safe if the party's going on the fact that a certain specific person shuts yeah. down the party to make them all look to me that was the first point in the movie where because like yeah obviously there's things before that where you're trying to i i, I never really made it a point like i don't really go into movies like trying to see every little detail to figure it out but obviously with a whodunit you know scream is a whodunit so 
you you look for big indicators but I, up until that point i was kind of like just mixed on like oh well it looks like they're throwing out a lot of red herrings here but that was the first point when i was like there's all if all they're doing is going into the house to grab an inhaler and take right back off i'm like why are they why are they putting an end to the part like who yeah. cares if there's a party going on because you're turning around and going right back out the door aren't you yeah so well, that kind of yeah, me, wait a minute well, yeah, obviously, once we get the revelation of who the killer is, it makes a little more sense. Well, no, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But that, I'm just saying that was a big first tip to me or tip off to me to say someone's doing something that obviously is against common thinking of if there's a killer out there, you would think everyone being safe in numbers. So why is it like to me there if if there would have been a better reason for ending the party, I could I could overlooked it but i was like wait you're just here to grab an inhaler and go right back out the door is why are you putting in who cares about the more to the point and mike i'm surprised you didn't pick up on this fact because this is the one that tipped me off it's amber's house why the hell are they there to begin with and why are they the ones shutting the party down yeah, yeah it doesn't make true. sense. That's also true. Like, yeah. that's that. No, I, I'm saying I was like Mike, but that was the point where I kind of realized it. Like, it's Amber's house. Why are they the ones that are stopping the party? Yep. Yeah, it's exactly. not even a party. That makes sense too. I yeah. will say, I after the movie is over, and I thought back to that scene, I do actually really like the fact that um, the killer or the, the the character who turns out to be the killer is at the door. Uh, shoving everybody out of the party and as he's doing it he's literally saying i'm saving your life i'm saving your life get the hell out of here because when they first get to the party he talks about how this is sam and tara they've both been attacked twice and if you guys remember how things go in woodsboro the fact that they're at a party is not a good sign for you guys and that's why they end the party but i just thought it was like at the at the time, I thought it was silly that he was sitting there going, "I'm saving your life, I'm saving your life." But then yeah, when I the movie was over, was, I thought that was like a quirky little boyfriend thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. See, I, see, yeah. <laughs> I would have, I would have thought, I would probably, I would have never thought about it if they were just there to actually be at the party, um, or you know something went wrong and that's why they had to end the party. But it just, it seemed very odd to me that like, hey, all you're here to do is grab an inhaler and turn right back mm-hmm. out and get out of town. So what? consequences up to you and then even with don's point like even further puts it like into yeah. the realm of like why are you doing this and what gives you the authority to even do it in the first place yeah exactly so obviously in the course of the party multiple people get attacked our jock gets attacked and left for dead outside um later on inside the party um Another character is attacked. Actually, the jock's sister, twin sister. They call them the twins in the movie. Um, she actually oh, that's also... The that's the lesbian. Okay. That's the lesbian. Yes, exactly. Um, she also gets attacked and also survives. Yet another survivor of Ghostface and Scream 5. Um, but then, uh, you know, we start to get to the nitty gritty and we get our first killer revealing themselves and basically what's going on throughout the movie. One of the cool things I kind of thought that the movie did was the fact that the characters were constantly accusing each other of being the killer. Like, you know, why aren't you the killer? I bet, I bet you're the killer. You have just as much motive. And they would start going over like all the motive that each character has to be the killer. And I thought that was mildly entertaining that throughout the film, they're just accusing themselves uh, each other of being the killer. And then finally, at the party, yeah. once everyone leaves, once again, we get into another conversation where uh, the, the circle of friends are blaming each other for being the killer. 
and the this is when the goth girl, the horny chick, uh, that this is when she looks at Amber and says, "I'm absolutely not the killer. I can't be. I I, I forget what her justification was, but you know, she's like, I, I just I know that well, I am she, not the she killer. Just the, she just found the boyfriend outside because he he died That's first. Right. So she oh, came she up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So she comes running in and is like, "I just found him." Exactly. And, she's got blood on her hand. Yeah. Speaking exactly. of the boyfriend, he made a couple. He, that his whole sequence puzzled me too because he's like, I don't want to go upstairs and have sex with you because you might be the killer. Oh, but here comes my phone finder and I got to go out and look for you by myself. Exactly. I'll, I'll oh, happily do bad. that. I'll, I'll like, happily go outside by myself, but yeah, I won't have sex with my girlfriend. <laughs> I just thought I mean, that it's was an interesting kind of concept. Weird. I actually liked that he did that. That uh, the first thing that he did that he said, "Well, I'm not going to go upstairs and be alone with you just in case you're the killer." I'm like, "Well, that's that's great horror movie thinking right there. That's that's forward thinking. It's like, okay, I don't want to be alone with anybody right now because I can't rule out anybody as the killer." Mm-hmm. So. You know, very cool. But then, of course, like Mike says, he completely shits on his intelligence and walks outside by himself to look for said girlfriend who disappeared. Uh, anyway, back to the argument. Um, I, I, Liv is the character's name, the goth girl's name. She is basically arguing with Amber about her not being the killer. And then Amber just basically looks her dead in the eye and says, I know you're not the killer, pulls out a gun and shoots the goth girl straight in the forehead, killing her instantly. And so we've got that's our first reveal. Amber, uh, Tara's best friend, is one of the killers. And Amber is about five foot nothing. And she weighs about 110 pounds soaking wet. Yet she is the one who supposedly killed Dewey. Again, I'm going back to that scene because it really bothers me. It's it's the scene that bothers me the most in this movie, especially after we get the reveal of who the killer is. You're telling me that this little five foot nothing girl picked up at easily a 200 pound man. You know, um, David Arquette's not exactly thin, especially in his older age. He's He's gotten a little doughy. Uh, no pun intended. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it just completely knocks my sense of, um, <clears throat> excuse me, my my disbelief just goes right out the window. When you show me this four foot girl who weighs nothing, but somehow she had the wherewithal to stab Dewey twice, turning him into a shish kebab or, or a corn on the cob, if you will, because of the two holders on each side and then lifting him off the ground until his body splits open. I'm just ah. It's it's so problematic to me, but I know Scream fans are going to forgive it. You know, they they won't even try to justify it. It's just fuck it. Turn off your brain and have fun, which I admit is the best way to enjoy these movies. Don't try to be logical. Just kind of enjoy the ride that the director takes you on and just accept all the silliness of it. That's probably why, you know, the, the generation who loves Scream is more forgiving of it because they don't look at it as elevated horror. They're not trying to make it that they're just saying it's a silly slasher that, you know, we have fun with every five to ten years when a new one comes out. And again, that's fine. Awesome. We, of course, here are reviewers. So, of course, we're going to bring some of the illogical stuff because this is a movie with no supernatural element. This is all grounded in reality. These are human antagonists killing other humans. So um, because they're going to ground the movie in reality... That's why it makes more sense that Don is bringing up logic issues and why I bring up logic issues. And it just it bothers the hell out of me. But again, Scream fans are going to forgive it. And hey, so be it. You know, it's their choice. But yeah, 
once we get that reveal of Amber being the second killer, we, we actually get the reveal of the sidekick first, which is kind of new for the Scream movies, I think. Um, but yeah, Amber is revealed as being the killer. Uh, at this point, uh, Jack, uh, excuse me, Jack Quaid's character, Richie, who, as we mentioned, is Sam's uh, boyfriend. Uh, basically, he's walking towards Sam in what looks like, you know, he's going to embrace her to try to you know, support her and, you know, help her through this time. And he stabs her in the side with a hunting knife, uh, a very familiar hunting knife. And there, that's our reveal of the second killer, Sam's boyfriend, who doesn't even live in Woodsboro or comes from Woodsboro, somehow learned enough about the Woodsboro killers that they were able to emulate it so perfectly. Now, obviously, Amber is from Woodsboro, so maybe she was able to plug in some of the blank spots for, uh, uh, for Richie. But it's still a little bit of a stretch that somebody from out of town is able to so successfully uh, torment this town. So there we go, folks. Amber and Richie are the killers in Scream 5. Um, of course, you know, we get our chase sequence where Gail and and um, Gail and Sydney show up at the party. Um, Gail is shot instantly by Amber. Basically, when Gail and Sydney show up at the party, Amber, who has already been revealed to be the killer, comes out of the house uh, acting like she's been stabbed. And she's like, oh, my God, please, somebody help me. Um, this is where I think uh, the legacy aspect of it uh, kind of comes to play because Gail and Sydney both do not fall for it. They kind of look at each other and Gail actually says out loud, oh, this is definitely a trap. And then at that exact moment, Amber is like, well, fuck it then. And she pulls out the gun and shoots Gail in the midsection. Gail goes out. Um, she, you know, she passes out. And just like in the original scream, you know, when she's uh, when she's knocked into the pillar on the porch and she goes out, but she's not actually out, is she? She's just kind of pretending very much the same in this one, except in this one, instead of Gail coming in and making a triumphant return to save the day, it's actually Amber who goes outside, gets her and brings her inside. At this point, Sydney has been stabbed um, by Jack, I believe, who stabbed Sydney. No, it was Amber. I can't remember now. God damn it. No, it was yeah, Jack. I, because it was Jack and Sydney who had the actual hand-to-hand -hand fight. Like, they actually fought each other in this one. Yeah, because uh, the distraction of going outside is what allows her to go up the stairs. Yeah, there you go. Yep. Yeah, because remember, he, he follows the blood trail. They have the confrontation on the stairs. Yep. And then they fall down. And then when she... when when they come back in is when they're fighting on the floor. Yep. Yep. You are correct. Yeah, there's also so, a part, maybe you, maybe you mentioned it and I, it totally, uh, uh, skipped my mind. Um, what, what's the name of the, the sidekick killer girl again? Amber, 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 when she does like the, the fake, I got stabbed on the porch. Yeah. And yeah, when she, I, I like how like she, it has pinpoint accuracy to shoot Gail, but then Sydney once goes to shoot her back. I guess Sydney forgot how to shoot her gun. Because, I guess I mean, Dewey it, forgot too, by the way. Yeah, well, I, we didn't mention the franchise. That when... Yeah, they've all been. Well, Dewey's a cop. He should be better, of course. And that's then, what I mean. Sydney's it, it, been it, doing all this training. Her shooting never seemed really off on the uh, last movie, so maybe she, maybe the new motherhood has softened her <laughs> skills a little because she shoots back and just wildly misses. 
What bothers me is that Dewey, being a former police officer who should have some kind of uh, guns and ammunition training, when they get to the hospital and the and the elevator doors open, Ghostface is literally about 12 feet in front of the elevator, um, straddling Tara, basically about to stab her to death. And he takes a shot and misses. It's like, come on, dude, you're trying to convince me that you're a former police officer who can't shoot a person 12 feet in front of him? Come on now. Again, with suspension of disbelief, but damn it. You guys are just, you know, the makers of Scream, they abuse suspension of disbelief big time. And I don't know if they do it because they know the fans are just going to forgive them anyway. And it's just going to be the old crotchety fucks like us who complain about it. But it still really bothers me. Ugh. But uh, yeah, uh, so where were we? So yeah, so like I said, Gail has been shot. Sydney has been stabbed. And then we get our monologue scene where Jack and Amber, you know, start talking about, you know, why they did this. And literally they met on Reddit. Uh, there was basically a subreddit about the, the Woodsboro murders. Um, Amber being from Woodsboro was obviously very interested in the story. She's also kind of a dark personality. She wears a lot of black in the movie, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then she meets, apparently she meets Richie on that subreddit and somehow they just start talking and literally they just decide they want to start a killing spree. Like they have no personal connection to any of the previous characters, to Billy, to Stu, to, to Gail, to Sydney, Dewey, nobody. They have no connection. They just decide, which is almost as stupid a reason as the killers in part four, who are basically just doing it for notoriety, if I remember correctly. If I remember mm -hmm. Emma Roberts saying something along the lines yeah, of, the, imagine... Because she doesn't yeah. figure, because she figures she'll survive, and then being the only survivor of the massacre is going to make her internet famous. Exactly, yeah. And and this one just feels even dumber. Like it's not even an attempt at notoriety. It's just they just were interested in it and decided, let's see if we can do it. Which kind of, like I said, it kind of speaks to the intelligence of the kids of Woodsboro. Because listen, folks, we've had five scream movies at this point. None of the killers of the Scream movies have ever gotten away with their murder sprees. Not a one of them. They've all been caught and killed at the end of the movie. Yet kids in this town keep fucking trying. I, I, it, it bothers the shit out of me that no one seems to learn a lesson in this town. Um, I'm almost you know. surprised that they haven't discontinued that mask. No shit. You would think that they would ban that costume yeah. in that town and literally arrest anyone the instant they wear it. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure something like that in real life would happen. Because think about a couple of years ago when we had the, all the clowns showing up. There were actual businesses that were saying, no, you can't come in here dressed as a clown or, you know, with clown makeup and everything. So, yeah, I totally agree with Don. They would have banned that shit by yeah. now. I mean, five killing. Well, before this movie, oh, four, four killings. Yeah. Another thing we kind of never mentioned just because we're kind of skipping around on different scenes is there's two points in the movie and i can't remember the second one but the first one involves the uh the the, the cop's son the blonde mm -hmm. cop yep. the, woodsboro must have the slowest response time for police because oh yeah she she alerted the police hey get to my house because my son's in danger and she had time to drive all the way back there and get up to the porch and no cops there yet. I was, I was like, God damn, these cops suck. That's what like, I mean about people getting murdered in broad daylight on a suburban street. It's like, what? <laughs> well, not only, okay, but then not, not only that, here's the other thing that kind of, I, I really have issue with. 
the ghost face, whichever one of the two, knocks off the mother outside. We get a five-minute stalking scene of the kid in the house coming out of the shower, walk, ditzing around the house, fuddling with God knows what. Mm-hmm. Ten different false scares, and nobody's noticed? Yeah, still no one's noticed. I mean, that dead body had to be out there a good five to 15 minutes before the cops got there. No neighbors see or hear anything. No cars drive by to see a dead body in front of somebody's house. It's just, I don't know. You're trying to convince me that this is a normal, you know, suburban neighborhood, but I've been to the suburbs. They're not that desolate. It's not like Uh you're, you know, you're going hours without seeing another human person. No, not at all. So yeah, again, suspension of disbelief, blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, let's see, where are we at? So we've gotten our reveal of our killers and, uh, Gail and Sydney are injured in the, in the kitchen. Um, basically Sydney ends up getting away as in getting out of the kitchen where she was being held at gunpoint, uh, by our killers. Very reminiscent of the first movie again. I mean, the, the whole like final five to 10 minutes of this movie feels like a carbon copy of the first movie other, you know, other than the fact that there's a male and female killer instead of two male killers this time. But otherwise it feels incredibly similar other than the fact that Billy actually had a legitimate reason, not one that I would say is valid, but at least he had a legitimate reason to be killing these people. Whereas, you know, it seems like everybody since scream three has no real reason to kill people. They just are doing it just for, you know, they got mental health issues or they're looking for notoriety, like I said, or just, you know, whatever. It just, ah, how many more of these movies are you going to cram down my throat and try to convince me that these people have valid reasons to kill? They just don't, in my opinion. Yet we're going to, I mean, considering the success of this movie, I can't imagine that it's over. I can't imagine we're not going to get another one. If this movie can make 55 million bucks in three days during a pandemic, there's no reason to believe that we're not going to get another one. So hopefully our killers get a little bit more intelligent. I I mean, that's kind of why I'm right there with Don with Scream 2 being kind of the favorite. I wouldn't say I like two more than one like Don does, but I can see why he does, because in my opinion, she had a valid reason to kill, right? That uh, in the it's been so long, but that was Billy's yeah, she, mother, that's, right? That's, that's Billy's mother, yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. She has of all the ghost face killers in all the movies, she to me is the only one who has a legitimate reason. They basically did a reverse Friday the Thirteenth, where mom is trying to get vengeance for her son who was killed. Blah blah blah. So. Um, like I said, um, if, if you're going to continue to give us Scream movies, please, for fucking, you know, for goodness sake, give us intelligent killers that have a valid reason to kill. Because uh, I, I just don't know how many more of these movies I can take. Obviously, you know, we're on Fresh Cuts. We're going to see every new horror movie that comes out. Um, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to be excited about it. And if they, if Scream 6 turns out to be just another formulaic Scream movie... Uh, my rant is going to be a lot worse than it is tonight. Because I I know, folks, that we've spent a lot of time on the negative with this movie, but I've said flat out, I didn't hate this movie. I I actually kind of liked it. It was mildly entertaining. I had a decent time with it. I still think it's a little long. There's no need for a two-hour slasher, but, you know, whatever. Um, And like I said, you know, the technical aspects are all there. The performances are all there. Like, nobody was really chewing the scenery or going too over the top, so... 
Um, there are positives there to be had, even though we're kind of concentrating on the negatives here. But to any of our regular listeners, you know, that's kind of what we do. You know, we're, we're, we're negative Nancy's here. So, um, so back to our, basically our final scene, uh, Sydney gets away and Richie goes chasing after her. That's kind of the first chase. And then Amber and Gail uh, get into a little bit of a squabble. Obviously, Gail's been shot, so she's not at 100%. But at one point, Gail is able to smash a bottle of vodka on Amber's head. Doesn't really do any physical damage to her. Um, She's very clearly covered in vodka, but, you know, uh, nothing really too major happens. And then eventually... Um, after more fighting, Gail is able to get the gun away from this girl and is able to shoot her multiple times. And after Gail shoots her the last time, she actually falls backwards on a lit stove and goes <laughs> up in fucking flames. So I'm going to give this movie that. That's probably the best ghost face death ever. Uh, you know, as much yeah, as I love it, 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 it does overtake um, Billy uh, Stu's uh, TV to the face. Yeah, do you, think they, do you think they specifically did that with with the fact in mind that she got murdered by fire in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood too? That same actress. Oh, that's and, funny. I didn't even think about. Yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> she was one of uh, Charlie Manson's angels, I guess, ah. as they referred to, and she happened to uh, get killed in a similar way, not uh, from like getting on caught on fire from the stove specifically, but she fire was part of her death. So. so it could be totally just coincidence, but I thought it was kind of Well, it's funny. kind of odd. I'm, I'm saying it was kind of odd when I watched it because she's shot face. She's shot facing Gale. So she's away from her backs to the stove. And then she gets shot the last time, does the 90 degree turn and then falls face first into the flames. So that yeah. kind of makes me think that it's like what Mike was saying about it being the homage, because I, I don't know anybody that gets shot and does that. Maybe she's just really good at getting set on fire. So it's her thing. It could be, but I'm, I'm just saying when Mike said that, it was kind of like, yeah, that's kind of weird how they do it because they're standing mm-hmm. face to face. So her back is to it. The she Gail fires off like two or three shots. And the last one, she falls over, does the 90 degree turn, falls face first onto it. So. Mm-hmm. I forgot to mention as we were going through the movie that Wes's kill was very brutal. Um, it was one of the most visceral deaths we've seen in a Scream movie because we actually see the knife enter Wes's neck and come out the other end. And the shot holds there. So literally we're watching Wes with a knife through his throat, uh, slowly dying. I, 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 I did want to mention that because I did like that kill a lot. Um, again, it's the middle of the day in the suburbs. At least this one takes place inside the house, but... You know, like Don said, at this point, mom has already been dead at least five minutes. Where the hell are all the cops that she called 10 to 15 minutes ago when she was on her way home? I mean, how big is Woodsboro that the cops can't get there in under five minutes? I can't imagine. It's not like it's New York City, for God's sake. Well, yeah, especially so, yeah, especially in these circumstances when they all know a serial killer's how Tom. On top of the fact that it's the town sheriff, she literally said get all units to my house. My son is in danger. You would think that cops would light a fire under their ass when the sheriff tells them, get to my house, something might happen. But no, I mean, a situation (laughs) like that. Yeah. I, I almost was expecting like a SWAT team there. I guess everybody's parents were like, yeah, cool. Go have a party. You deserve it. 
Yeah, exactly. And then after all of this, Amber is still somehow allowed to have a party, but, you know, whatever. Since it turns out she's actually one of the killers, I guess it makes, you know, a little, a shred more sense, but still not a lot. Okay, so uh, Amber is now crispy on the kitchen floor, dead and gone. Uh, obviously, Richie is still chasing um, Sydney and Sam around. Uh, we forgot to mention that when Sydney first gets to the party, she shoots uh, Richie in the leg because she actually, another good thing that I kind of like, she, she basically, as soon as she walks upstairs in the house, she yells out, I don't care if you're the killer or not. If you're hiding, you're going to get shot. And she literally goes through the entire house shooting two bullets into every closet door. I thought that was kind of cool. And then, of course, Richie ends up getting shot in the leg, which at the time, since he hadn't been revealed yet, obviously, you know, he's angry. We were like, oh, shit, she ended up shooting an innocent guy, blah, blah, blah. But, of course, Richie actually is the killer, which is funny because within five minutes of getting shot in the leg, he doesn't even have a visible a visible limp. He's literally running around the house chasing Sydney and then chasing uh, Sam. I forget exactly how he gets the upper hand on Sydney, but somehow he's he is able to get the upper hand and knock her out. At that exact moment, Sam uh, attacks uh, Richie. Uh, they have their little back and forth about, you know, how could you do this? You know, we were, you know, we were together, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then we get our final appearance of Skeet Ulrich, where Sam is basically laying flat on the ground. Uh, Richie is on top of her, straddling her, about to stab her in the head or, or somewhere, about to stab her somewhere. And then she sees um, uh, Skeet, the image of Skeet Ulrich. Um, he doesn't actually say anything. All he does is he gestures towards the curtain. And what's at the curtain? There is a knife that apparently one of the Ghostface killers had dropped and forgotten about earlier, um, just sitting there at the base of the curtains. She notices this, and then just as Richie is about to go in for his killer blow, she grabs the knife and stabs him directly in the face. And And then she does something that literally made me stand up and applaud in the theater she did not do the traditional drop your weapon because you got the upper hand on the killer no she stabs him in the face and then she straddles him and stabs him i don't know like 13 14 15 times she goes berserker mode on him and just and i am so the ear-to-ear -ear grin on my face is so fucking big you would not believe it I love, love, love when horror characters do not allow their antagonists back up. If you get the up, everybody who listens to me knows I hate weapon droppers. It's one of my biggest pet peeves in horror. This girl not not only doesn't drop the knife, but stabs this fucker a bunch of times. And then after stabbing him like 13, 14 times, he's still alive, barely. And he's basically begging her to stop. And he and he starts he tries to sweet talk her, of course, the, the former boyfriend trying to sweet talk her. And I forget exactly what the conversation consisted of, but um, Sam basically says, nah, that ain't going to happen. And her final blow is slitting Richie's throat, killing him. Maybe not instantly, but he does definitely bleed out. So we at, at the very least, I will say that Scream at least gives us definitive endings like they don't try to. Uh, you know, they don't try to give us that um, 
that kind of end scene where it's like, oh, maybe one of the killers actually survived or maybe there was a third killer that we didn't know about. You know, they always give us definitive endings. To my knowledge, most of them end with a news report, you know, either Gail Weathers in some of the first movies or in this one, it's an unnamed reporter that I don't recognize basically giving the report of the events of that night. And then fades to black, and I think that's it. Yeah, there was no post credit scene, so yeah. Yeah, they just yeah they just meet up at the ambulance. They haul the other girl out, the lesbian, because she survived. They have their little meet up back at the ambulance yeah. and drive off, and yeah, roll credits. This is where we get the reveal too that the jock survived her brother. So the twins both got attacked and survived. This is what I mean, folks. Ghostface, collectively, the two ghost faces in this movie attack six different people that all survive. It's like, does that sound like an efficient killer to you? Does that sound like a, whole, a movie killer that we want to keep watching year after year after year? For me personally, it does not. For an entire generation of horror fans, it does. And that's fine. As I said, you know, your opinion is just as valid as mine. I'm not going to shit on anybody who thinks this is the greatest movie of 2022. I actually uh, I actually saw a podcaster say this will likely be my number one movie of 2022. I can't imagine anything being better. And I think we all know who I'm talking about. But, you know, we'll leave names out of it just so that we don't get too personal. But, yeah, um, if you think this is a great movie, (laughs) rock on, dude. I mean, as I said, I'm always jealous of horror fans that like a movie that I didn't because I want to like every horror movie I watch. All of them. I fucking I love the genre and I want to love if I'm going to invest an hour and a half to two hours on a movie, I want to at least enjoy the time I spend with it. And ultimately, I don't regret watching this movie. I don't regret going to the theater. Um, I actually got a free pack of Twizzlers because of an issue with my credit card. But that's a story for another day. Uh, which just makes my experience that much better, because if anyone doesn't know, Twizzlers are Mr. Venom's favorite candy. So there you go. That's some trivia for you. Um, But yeah, like I said, folks, earlier, despite the fact that we spent so much time on the negative, I don't think this is necessarily a bad movie. It's a good scream movie. It may not be the best slasher. It may not be the best teen slasher. But, you know, for what it was, I didn't hate it. You know, I gave it a very average score, not low, not high, just very middle. Uh, When I say middle of the road, I don't mean like a five out of 10, of course, because to me, a five out of 10 is pretty shitty. Um, But it's a very average score if I had to give it one. And so, like I said, obviously, if you're still with us, you've already seen the movie. Some of you have probably seen it multiple times and love it. And that's great. Hopefully we haven't um, (laughs) left a bad taste in any Scream fans' mouths with uh, some of the vitriol that we've kind of been (laughs) spewing here. But ultimately, you know, to each his own. And folks, if you love Scream, awesome. I'm, I'm so happy for you. I'm happy that you had a good time and that you genuinely enjoyed the movie. I wish I enjoyed it more. And that's it from me. <laughs> yeah. I, I would just say, yeah, I think for screen fans, it probably is good, good enough. Gave mm-hmm. you what you wanted. Um, so I'm glad. I mean, it's calling it saying at this point that you don't think anything will be better than it for all of 2022 i mean i i guess if you're a super screen fan but it is the middle of january so i would uh table that thought for now at least give it a couple months for other stuff to come out but hey you know if if it stands the test of time for you whoever you are 
good. I mean, I, I'm not good for you, you know. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. I, I, I'm never going to give a horror fan shit for their opinion. You know, if you think, I don't know, if you think the Nightmare on Elm Street remake is the greatest horror movie ever made, hey, that's your opinion. I don't have to agree with it, but it's still your opinion, and I will respect that. Uh, I'm going to make fun of you behind your back, but I'm still going to respect your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I I will say this, um, my final thoughts on this, just because I haven't seen too much. I mean, it is, you know, it like it's the third week of January when we're recording this at the moment. It is my favorite film of the year, only because I've only seen two others. <laughs> it is my second favorite of the year for me yeah. so far. I've actually seen five movies uh, in uh, 2020 so, yeah. so, so yeah, far. I'm, yeah, I, I've only seen three so far. So yeah. this is uh, my number one. Ask me again in February when I see, you know, February or March, (laughs) it'll be a different conversation. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. um, For for all I've said tonight, and a lot of what I've said was logic issues, it's not a bad movie, like we've been saying. It's Mm -hmm. not badly made. It's well-crafted. It it looks good. It, it, Mm -hmm. It runs really well. Just if you actually put two seconds to think into how the majority of these scenes play out, it's not that smart. And unfortunately <laughs> for a genre, for a franchise especially, that prides itself on being smart, it's really not. Mm-hmm. So put, you know, spend two seconds, think about how all these scenes play out and whether or not they could actually logistically and realistically happen. Because as we've said, this is a this is a series grounded in reality. You know, nobody's possessed. Nobody's got some special serum that makes them invisible, invincible <laughs> as far as we know, because everybody dies. So there's absolutely, so there's no reason why that can be the case. Th- these look and feel exactly like something that could happen tomorrow to, you know, anybody out there mm-hmm. and how these films play out and trying to make us as viewers believe that the events that happened are realistic is, not that I wouldn't go as far as baffling. Maybe that's a little too strong of a word, but think along those lines and maybe you'll see it in a different light. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But for whatever reason, for a franchise that prides itself on being as smart as it is, it's really not. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, that is, that is a 100% valid uh, statement. Um, especially after watching the original, you know, I still consider the original a classic, a quote unquote classic. It's absolutely not a 10 out of 10 to me, like it is to a lot of people. But, you know, even going back and watching the original and recognizing all the really good stuff that they did in it, there's still a lot of stupid people in it doing stupid things. And, you know, if if you're going to try to get me to get behind these characters, to, to root them on, um, you got to give me something to root for. Like I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna root for a completely vapid idiotic character. I you know I'm just not. I, w- I want to see someone with an actual brain. You know, unfortunately, the only brain displayed in this movie was Dewey, and you know we we have lost Dewey now. So th- this is and why it, I'm. It should it should speak to reason that we actually lost him because he didn't. So exactly. Well, that's true too. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we we only lost him totally because he didn't. Sense. So yeah. Like I'm saying, we we only lost him because he didn't, but yeah. Yep. So because of that, I'm even less excited for Scream 6, because now you're going to give me a Scream movie without Dewey, which I don't know. 
Uh, he's one of my favorite characters in the franchise, probably one of the only characters that I'll actually say I like. Like I said, I like his character arc from the first movie to now. You know, we literally get to see him grow up, become a legitimate police officer, a sheriff, and then kind of fall out, fall into hard times. Um, obviously, you know, a little bit of a happy ending uh, on previous films, you know, with him ending up with Gail, marrying her. Obviously, we didn't even really get into that aspect of the story at all, like Gail and Dewey's marriage. Um, for those who care, who aren't going to watch the movie and are still listening to us, uh, Dewey and Gail basically got married. They moved to New York. Gail got herself a national morning TV show. But Dewey couldn't hack it in New York. He basically just hated big city life and, you know, ended up uh, just leaving Gale. Uh, he, according to Gale's exact words, like Stu, uh, Dewey literally just left without saying anything, uh, just returned to Woodsboro, got his old job back as a police officer. But then obviously something happened in the last 10 years since the last movie, or should I say since he returned from New York. Something, you know, who knows what happened to turn him into the, you know, kind of the chubby loser that we kind of see in this movie. But, yeah, ultimately, you know, without Dewey, I'm not as excited for Scream 6. So, you know, let's see. I I'm calling it right now. We're getting a Scream 6. It's just a horror movie can't make $55 million in a weekend and not get a sequel or not get a next chapter. So, yeah, money rules, everybody. I'm sure you all knew that already, so. <laughs> yeah, why we it, got had, it had five. a good enough opening weekend. I'm sure we'll get a six eventually. Yeah, exactly. But let's just hope our killers are more intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> I won't hold my breath, but I'm still hoping. Well, that's why we keep... Oh, all right. Are we, uh, are we done here? Here. I think, I mean, there's not really yeah. a whole lot left to say. I mean, we could nitpick yeah. little individual scenes, but at this point, I think we've all said our piece, you know. Hopefully, none yeah. of these diehard Scream fans hate us after our reviews. You know, we're trying to be honest. We're trying to be as, you know, obviously, ob objectivity is almost impossible as a movie reviewer, but we still try to be as objective as possible with peppering in a little bit of our subjective views as well, so... Hopefully we didn't turn yeah. off any Scream fans, and hopefully if this is your first time joining us, you'll join us again. We are a weekly show. We're here every week looking at the newest releases in the genre. So if you if you even liked a little bit of what you heard this week, please join us for future episodes. It would mean the world to us. And we're not going to be as cranky. Oh, no, no. When we review good movies, we're in a way better mood. Should I say exactly. when we review exceptional movies, we're in a way better oh, yeah. mood. So. Yeah, this is a rare this is a rare one where we're kind of just a little pissy, but yeah, exactly. join us for when we're join us for when we when we like a film and you'll hear nothing but glowing praise. Trust us. <laughs> there you go. And that does happen, so Oh, absolutely. All right, all right. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of yep. speaking of praise, praise all the yeah. places we can hear you, Venom. Ha! Uh honestly, I got nothing for you since the last episode. Um we were supposed to record an episode of the main show, No More Room in Hell. Unfortunately, we had a scheduling conflict and that had to be postponed a couple of weeks. So I know we haven't done an episode of the main show literally since what, late November, because I don't think we ever did a December episode. And now it's looking like if we do get a January episode out, it's going to be right at the finish line, right at the tail end of January. So hopefully that happens. But 
obviously either way we will let you know um as far as the other shows that i'm still on in the mic of madness um you know rebecca is still kind of taking care of her because because the movie that she just directed tin roof is now getting a physical release so she's probably doing like interviews and press stuff and whatever else so she's obviously very busy and then underwater kaiju from outer space which you know you can hear don and myself on um, the episodes have been sporadic over the last year or so. I think we've only done like maybe four, three or four episodes in the entirety of the last year. So, you know, hopefully that the frequency of that one will come back up. But one thing I can guarantee is that episode five of Don and my show's Creature Comforts, once again, um, another No More Room in Hell sidecast. This one, of course, being No More Room in Hell presents Creature Comforts. We will be recording episode five this Sunday, and we will be looking at um, 1966. Yeah. Do you remember the year? 66? 66. Yeah, 66. Oh, yeah. So 1966's Island of Terror, uh, which is going to be an absolute first time watch for me. So that should be an interesting conversation. So uh, that'll be get recorded next week and should be released shortly after that on this same feed here. So if you subscribe to No More Room in Hell, you get all three shows in your feed. Um, so, you know, hopefully a few of you hit, the, hit that subscribe button after joining us today. Otherwise, Mike, I got nothing else. As you know, I started a new job last week, which kind of changed my weekday schedule, basically kind of preventing me from recording during the week as much as I normally do. Um, obviously, Fresh Cuts being kind of a mainstay for me, I'll always make time for this one. But unfortunately, I did have to walk away from a couple of my other shows because of it. But um, should have more stuff in the coming weeks and months. Just be, it's kind of been a slow period right now, transitional period, let's say. <laughs> All right, uh, Don, what do you got? All right, so um, as Venom mentioned, uh, we're still working on Underwater Kaiju. Um, the, I'm fairly confident I remember what we're talking about, but uh, mm-hmm. circumstances will dictate that when the need arises. Creature Comforts, as he mentioned again, coming soon. Um, my show, the Horror Countdown Podcast, was released episode three. Um, this was, um, uh, for those that are just joining us, it is a show that I just do lists on. So I pick a topic and I have a guest on and we do a top ten list. So uh, this latest episode was our top ten book adaptations. And uh, we kind of went at it our own special way. Um, my host, who's a little bit more familiar with the genre, or not genre, but the topic, um, they went in with the direction of comparing how good the book was, the movie was to the book. I went under the direction of it being a good movie, and the source material was adopted from a novel. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it was a fun time. Uh, we uh, it is uh, available on. I believe most services I've managed, I think I've gotten most of the major services out there. Um, there's also a uh, audio version, which uh, you can listen on my YouTube channel, which is also available. But um, yeah, I, I, I think I've got all of the major services. So um, if you look for Horror Countdown or Horror Countdown Podcast, you should be able to find it in whatever service or catcher you use. So um, that is, a uh, new episode on that one should be coming out uh, next week, which uh, we'll reveal then. But other than that, yeah, that's uh, pretty much all I've got. Cool. 
Um, as far as I go, yeah, nothing really for me to report other than fresh cuts. Uh, like Venom said, we'll get the next episode of the main show scheduled as soon as possible, probably looking at the end of the month. And uh, that's about it. Um, I am not sure what's coming up next week. Nothing in the theater. So uh, we've compiled, well, not we personally, but there has been some more 2022 VODs. Yep. I think there's either. A, I, I actually saw there is something on Netflix right now. I was actually going to watch it the other night, but it just got too late. Um, but then there's something I think officially dropping on Shutter this week too so yeah we'll, I have, think, we'll have options yeah cool. so I'm saying, i think there's like three or four that are coming out this week so yeah yeah and I, I noticed too there's already like a good handful of movies that when you when you pull them up they like say 2021 because they were made last year but then like when you go to imdb the official release date is still 2022. So I'd imagine there's, you know, there's going to be a good occurrence of that probably in the months of January and February until we get yeah. further into the year where everything is actually listed as 2022. So there's actually probably more available than we realize once we actually just start. Yeah. There's probably dates. a few that are, that are just popping up now that still have the 2021 date on it that we're just not, we're not familiar with. So. Exactly. Yeah, that's why that's probably why I've watched five already, because I actually did have to go in and see what the official American release date was, um, specifically The Kindred, which is a movie that came out last year in other regions. But in the U.S., it was released January 7th, 2022. So that counts for our purposes. So I went ahead and watched it. And if you're interested, that is my favorite movie of the year thus far. Though it's not a 10 out of 10 or anything like that by any stretch. It's just the movie I enjoyed the most so far. <laughs> Interesting. I like ghost okay. stories. So, you know, uh, you know, any ghost story, I'm probably going to be a little bit more biased with since I do really, really like the supernatural. So and, you yeah, know, and is solidly a supernatural film. So, yeah. And that actually is one I knew about last year coming into this year. So I might actually throw that on later tonight possibly yeah it's a quick watch it's only 90 minutes uh good performances um a, a good killer at least a compelling killer yeah I, I dug it sweet all right well with that said yeah we'll have something for everyone next week but until then we are going to get out of here thanks everybody for listening to another episode of fresh cuts you know like i said this was a big relief probably lots of opinions out there so uh if you have something to say on the show or the movie uh did we get it wrong are we the lone voice is a reason to you in a sea of a lot of praise for this one or voices of yes. dissent yeah exactly. tell us what we yeah. got wrong <laughs> yeah drop a comment on the post when it gets up on social media or even on the youtube thread because i have been putting uh youtube uh uploads um, up there for people that prefer that method so either way let if us you know prefer, if you prefer twitter we are available on twitter at zero room in hell yes exactly um and we 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 actually do have a, a show email uh no room in hell show at gmail.com just in case anyone <laughs> wants to like write out an angry email or something like that there you go yeah <laughs> Please. <laughs> I, you know what's funny too is I think when we first started I even made like one of those voicemail lines but after a certain amount of non-use I think they go defunct so I would have to like remake one but maybe I'll do that you know 
know, in the future. Um, like when Something we, to think about. We start it. But anyways, yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back in a week. Uh, time to get out of here. Let's say bye to the listeners. Later. Do you like scary movies? Peace. Peace.